Welcome to episode 59 of the Lace em Up Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Sorry, I, I'm Brett Duboff. <laughs> I'm just swigging Digesting some water. Digesting on his lunch, probably. No, swigging um, some water here. Sorry. Uh, okay, yeah. We need to hydrate on water. Yep. Um, well, uh, two bad throwing. things happened. First off, Patrick Laine, uh is hurt, and he could be out a while. And secondly, Team Canada lost a heartbreaker to the Americans in a shootout. Uh, Brett is probably not too sad about no, that. No, not too I'm bad. I'm a little disappointed. Okay, I'm pretty disappointed. But um, <laughs> not not because that Canada didn't play well. It's just you yeah, know, we'll the fact that it. they lost that tight. We'll get but, into yeah. it. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about uh, Patrick Liney. We're going to talk about uh, Canada-USA, the thriller that was, and uh, whether or not it should have been decided in a shootout. Uh, also, the Blue Jackets winning streak has come to an end, um, and maybe the Capitals provided some fuel to the fire for a playoff matchup if they meet. We're going to talk about uh, all that. Uh, Andre Burakovsky had some words before the game, um, so we're going to allude to that. And in Are They For Real, we're going to talk about two Canadian teams, one that was on a five-game winning streak when they probably shouldn't have been, and another that was on um, a five- or six-game winning streak and could probably make the playoffs if the Atlantic Division continues to stand where it is. And um, that Canadian team involves an American who is putting them on their backs. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about everything as well, a couple of key injuries. Uh, But first off, shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 59 in the NHL. It's a short list of notables, but uh, there are a few. Roman Yossi today wears number 59. Chad LaRose, in his days with the Carolina Hurricanes, wore that number. Uh, although it was a brief time with the Habs in 2007, Mikhail Grabowski wore number 59. Uh, Jake Gensel, um, who has played a couple of games with Pittsburgh this year, he's worn number 59. Um, believe it or not, Travis Moen, when he was with the Blackhawks in 2004, wore number 59. And Brandon Yip, in 2010 with the Avalanche, just love that name. Award number 59 uh, with the Avs uh, that year. So to all of them, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Um, but yeah, let's get started on, um, Patrick Laine. Um, he had, uh, so he had a, uh, it was, what, what day was it? Was it Saturday? I think it was Saturday. It was Saturday. Yeah, yeah. Saturday afternoon in Buffalo. Game was tied at three at this point. Right. Already had a point as and well. And then, uh, Jake McCabe, um, seemed to, like, uh, hit. Uh, Patrick Laine, um, it wasn't, like, in the head, like, it wasn't, like, a head-to-head contact, but it did hit Laine's head, um, in the end. Um, it looked pretty bad. I'm sure by now, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm sure you're a hockey fan and you've seen the clip already, so I don't have to describe it for you, but, um, it, um, it, I don't think it was suspension-worthy. No. Um, but unfortunate for Jets fans, I don't yeah, think it was suspension worthy either. I mean, yeah. it was it was just a clean hit with a bad right. result. I mean, Lenny felt that his head 
Yeah. It, it was face. It was a face to face hit. Uh, McCabe's elbow, nothing. Yeah. His shoulder didn't lean into but it. it is. He just got. He just got a piece of line eight and line eight's head at the ice, and he was yeah. just out. But whenever I see, he was dazed and confused. So whenever I see hits like that, I always like nowadays, especially now with like all the concussion alert people. You know, I'm like even more cautious or, like, wary of the, these kind of hits. and Yeah. Um, they make you cringe. Yeah. Like, they're, exactly. they're not suspendable hits, but they make you cringe. And um, I've, I've seen a lot worse. Like, you look at Scott yeah. Stevenson, Paul Correa, uh, back then, that was a big hit. Right. Today, I don't think you classify that as a big hit. Maybe you call it a suspension. I don't know. But, I, but uh, this, this one, this one didn't so... really have any malicious intent or anything like that. It was just a good, solid hit. I don't know. I think that Scott Stevens. I feel like that Scott Stevens ones should have been suspension worthy. But yeah, no. But I do He's agree. With Michelle, you. Yeah, yeah, because it did seem like he was intending to hit Korea. But um, yeah, but like uh, this one, um, unfortunately for the Winnipeg Jets and Patrick Line, he has a concussion. Um, so it is. It's sad to see like a young star like that, especially someone with Patrick Liney's uh, personality. There's not a, a lot of pe- people with his personality nowadays. We need, NHL needs more of those kind of guys. Um, but um, yeah, so he's uh, he's concussed now. Um, who knows how long he's going to be out for? Um, but I would assume this is a huge. Uh, uh, factor in the Winnipeg Jets season. Um, they're probably uh, not going to win a lot of games, or it's. But like this could be uh, like a another call for them to be um, like say, hey, let's win one for um, like an inspiration, motivation yeah. kind of thing, where it's like, oh, hey, let's win one for Patrick Line. Um, well, I, I, I think I think it it it, it kind of these kind of injuries these kind of trying times this is where you find out where the rest of your team stands at what they're really made of and what yeah. this team become and you look at all the guys that you know maybe adversity um, and stuff yeah well yeah and you look at Tyler Myers who was on the injured reserve for quite some time uh, Jacob Truba who we still haven't seen make an impact maybe this is a time for them even though both are defensemen you know. This is a time for guys to step up, and Mark Shifley stepped it up all year. Blake Wheeler's been good. Dustin Bufflin's been good. Um, maybe Connor Hollebuck, you know, goes on a tear uh, goaltending-wise and really carries this team. Um, and you know what? Wednesday they face off against Montreal, and that's a pretty big test right there. And while they could use lining, I think that's a good time to make a statement that says, hey, we can win without him too. Um, but the good news is on Sunday, although he wasn't, at Jets practice on the ice, he was spotted watching Jets practice with a smile on his face, according to head coach Paul Maurice. But he, he was clear that he wasn't 100, feeling 100. Yep. percent And and concussions are a tricky thing. Like I don't remember Sidney Crosby, you know, like just you know dazed and confused, you know, every time he got out of his bed. But you yeah. know, he was he was missing significant amounts of time on the ice because of those concussions that he suffered. So yeah, it's a tricky subject and. I, I think I think the obvious given in my opinion is unfortunately for Patrick Line, if this concussion forces him to miss like twenty games even, I think his chances of winning the Calder have taken a major hit. 
with yeah. this injury. No, because I, McDavid, you look at McDavid, he he was great for to have the season he played, but yeah. he didn't play a full season, and Panarin had the better numbers, so they went yeah. with Panarin. So. No, I agree with that, especially with how Matthews is doing right now. Um, <laughs> I mean, he may not he, he may not have won even if he was healthy um, throughout, but um, just because of how good Matthews has been lately, which we'll get into in a sec. Uh, but um, yeah, no, I agree with that. I um, yeah, there. I was just reading an article that said that Paul Maurice was saying that there is no timetable for when Line A will yeah. be back. Um, which is what you just said. So, but yeah, I mean, I agree. I think this is this is to show like what um, Winnipeg is made of without their star rookie player now, because um, he has he was pretty much a spark for them at the moment, and he was like a big reason for why they are even in contention in the you know competitive Central Division. But um, it's going to be tough now without him. Um, but speaking of which, uh, they're after, of course, with a hit like that, even if it was clean, uh, Winnipeg has to stick with their guys. So there was, um, there was a lot of, it got a little scrappy after that. Um, especially at the end there, um, which I'm sure if you're a hockey fan, you've already seen this, but, um, at the end of the game, uh, there was a little, um, skirmish with uh, the goalie Robin Leonard and well, what happened Dustin was in, Bufflin. Uh, I'll just set up the stage quickly. Yep, Dying sure. seconds, buzzer ends, game, uh, buzzer sounds, game's over. Uh, skirmish uh, ensues in front of Robin Leonard's net, and I guess he tried uh, to get into it or tried to separate. I couldn't really tell. Yeah. And I guess, I don't know if Brian Little bumped into yeah, him a lot of or, or got in his way, but uh, Leonard gives Little a shot to the face, and then of course, the guy you don't want uh, in the scrum, Dustin right. Bufflin, pulls, or I shouldn't say pulls, he yanks Leonard's mask off his head and then gets a hold of him. And although he didn't get a couple of good punches in, he mm. did try and get a couple of punches uh, in Robin Leonard's uh, direction. And uh, Robin Leonard, I think, at that point had his jersey over his head, so he really couldn't defend himself. But the linesman got in front of it. Couldn't have been a, Could have been a lot worse, but... Just in, in those situations, especially when that's the final time you play the Sabres this year, I yeah. might add, unless by some miracle you make the finals and play them. Right. Um, right that's a pretty big ones in, They're in different conferences, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just um, your, your leaders need to show a little bit of composure. And, and I, I'm not saying that, you know, you shouldn't stick up for your teammates, but, I mean, just – at the end of the game, when the result is determined and nothing else matters, cooler heads need to prevail there. And, uh, and Dustin I don't know if it was the right call to go after Leonard. I don't know. I feel like you have to stick up for your... I know what you're saying, but I at the same time, I feel like you have to stick up for your teammate. But, like, I guess you're right at the same time. You do have to be, like... I don't know. I feel like it's one of those things where... Um, it's like, if he didn't do anything, it's like, well, then why didn't he stick up for his teammate kind of thing? Well, that's um, that's true. Know. There's they're sticking up for your teammate, but then there's, you know, going after somebody. I, I mean, mean like, I guess it was a little overboard. Said, he started throwing punches. I guess it was a little overboard, but, like, I mean, like, maybe you punch Jake McCabe instead, but, like, 
I don't know. I guess, I guess, I guess you do have a point there. Uh, I'm trying to think if I should argue this or not, if I care or not. Yeah, um, well, I, I, I don't know really yeah. if, if it's, I don't know if the, any suspensions are going to come out right. of that one because, yeah, that was you know, my it, next it it, they, they were able to de-escalate the situation yeah. rather quickly. I mean, Bufflin didn't really get at Leonard because the linesman jumped in. But. Yeah, so that was going to be my next question, is which you jumped the gun a bit, but that's okay. Um, is, maybe, is, maybe, some, maybe some fines. I don't know if any suspensions, but maybe I, a fine. I could see, him. like, maybe three games just for Bufflin, just because it's like, a go- like he was punching a goalie and it's yeah. like a defenseless goalie like that. But... Um, but yeah, it might just be a fine or something like that, which is, I don't know, I guess that's a fair thing. It's not like egregious or anything like that. Yeah. Needless to say, I'm sure Winnipeg is relieved they don't have to deal with the Buffalo Sabres anymore this year. Um. Well, I mean, maybe, I don't Cause know. Because they, <laughs> they lost both games and they lost line eight. So. Right, but I mean, they still have to, I mean, they're still the Sabres. It's not like they're the, I don't know, the Penguins or something. Um, but anyways, let's get to uh, the poll of the week, um, which, uh, is going to be, uh, pri- one of the topics that we're going to be talking about throughout, um, this episode, but, um, there was, uh, so the World Junior Cl- uh, Championship ended this week, um, and, um, it was a USA-Canada final, um, I'm very happy about it. Uh, Steve isn't so much. Um, but it started, it ended in a shootout, um, which started a, um, kind of a debate between everyone, um, in the hockey world. Um, I guess before we get into the poll of the week, um, I guess we are, we're both, I think, I'm thinking we're both in agreement that uh, a shootout is not the best way to end a championship game, right? Yeah, I've, um, the, uh, I don't think three-on-three three overtime is a better solution than a shootout, but I'm sure you could think up, uh, you yeah. should come up with something better than a exactly. shootout. Yeah. So uh, it's a thriller like that, especially. Our pull the week question, um, which I guess all these three choices that I had up here weren't, Great, like they have pros and cons to it, but um, so I asked, How would you end the championship game? This was like the day after the championship game, so um, I don't know, but uh, uh, so the choices were keep it so 20 minutes of overtime and then a shootout, never ending OT or three on three OT or other, and reply below. Um, 86% said never-ending OT. and four until you win. Until you win. And 14% had three-on-three OT, um, after a while. Um, I, yeah, I mean, never-ending OT, like, logistically speaking, um, would be great. But, like, then again, like, you could be... theoretically, like, playing forever, which is why it's never-ending OT, so, and, like, that's not great for the players in terms of stamina, and I'm sure college, college hockey and juniors, um, in the CHL aren't, wouldn't be so happy about that, um, so. You know how many minutes Thomas Shabbat played in that game? 
Um, I think, didn't he play, well, that was the same with Charlie McAvoy, right? Like, they, they played pretty much the entire game, right? I heard over, I heard over or close to 43 minutes. Wow. Yeah, that I think. could have gone into double overtime. He could have reached 50 minutes easily. Yeah, I think, I think McAvoy was near that. I don't know if it was 43 minutes like that, but I think it was, like, near that. Or I was, like, I think they were saying that on the broadcast that they both had, a uh, a lot of ice time. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. So that's why, like, a never-ending OT I don't think would ever actually happen because the CHL and the NCAA would be so mad at that. Yeah, um, that's that's also true, too. And, yeah. and you know what? Uh, Andrew C. Thomas on Twitter, he had some interesting points. He's uh analyst consultant for the Minnesota yeah. Wild. Uh, and he, he provided an interesting case as to why shootouts should remain a focal point. And I'm just directly quoting one of his tweets here, or yep. a couple of his tweets, I should say. Sure. No one Here's one of them. No one wins a game under these overtime circumstances. They lose on a dumb mistake by one player, not a nice play by one player. Second, sudden death is virtually as coin flippy as the shootout. It's about 53% yep. Yep. to the first goal, even with close teams. And... He goes on to again to say that these guys are not seasoned NHLers, and the first ten minutes he said they look gassed. Right. So fantastic point. To fatigue is um, is a factor there, and you also, if you get rid of the shootout, you don't get to see guys like Jonathan Taves in two thousand seven or TJ Oshie in twenty fourteen or Troy Terry this year. Yeah. You don't see them make their statement on the world stage. True. Um, and I'm not saying get rid of the shootout but i don't want the feature of a skills competition ruining a hockey classic in the making especially when a gold medal is on the line like so um, how would you like i i put it back to this just just let me ramble for a minute i point back to this let's say let's say for a second the memorial cup finals are off to overtime nothing settled after the first ot it's a great game to use a shootout to decide a national junior a major junior a championship would you use a shootout for, let's say, Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals if it needed more than one overtime period? No. Would you use such a format to determine who gets Olympic gold? No. No, no like, that's true. It's a good point. Who wins gold here, then. But, like, what would – so I'm guessing you, you're also on the never-ending OT side of it, right? See it the, again. The fatigue factor would would get in the way, but I, I just so how would you end? How would you I, end I, it? I, I'm not just, I'm not saying a never ending OT is the right solution, but I'm am saying is a shootout isn't the right solution either. No, I I I feel like there is pros and cons to either of this. Like there is the fatigue factor if you do a never ending OT, but then when you're talking about like every Every other championship game has, uh, like, a never-ending OT. Yeah, like this, exactly. Yeah, so, but, like, then you have to think of the fatigue factor, but then mm-hmm. it's, like, again, it's, like, these are all, like, young these players. Are kids, yeah. It's, like, you know, it's, it's really more of a showcase of their talent, and it's not really fair, It's you know, kind of thing. But, I mean, I don't know. I, and then as for, like, the shootout, it's, like, yeah, it's not really hockey, but like at the same time, it's it's kind of, it's still exciting, um, and it's still um, and it ends. It's like a definite time for when something ends. Uh, yeah, which and, is something and I think it kind of 
it kind of sets the double uh, IHF apart from the rest. It makes it unique yeah. because they're one of the few tournaments to do this. But yeah, and that's kind of why I thought like three on three OT would kind of be like the in the middle option, um, where it's like it is still a little like it's not your normal hockey. Um, and that, it opens ice a bit, but it's still like see, you're that, still that, playing that, hockey where you have to score. See, but, the, the thing is, three on three OT has been experimented in the NHL, and it's only five minutes. This is a twenty-minute overtime period. Yeah, that's, that's true. The one, that's I guess the one knock I have on three on three in that then in that scenario. If you're going to make it three on three, shorten the OT. Yeah, I guess that's true. Like, what about like maybe like ten minutes of three on three? I feel like that's might yeah. be a little too much. Ten at the max, I would think. Yeah, I guess that's the. Yeah, now that I think about it, that's a good point. Yeah, so I feel like all of these stuff have a. Yeah, everything has a downside. Let's yeah, be honest. Exactly. We can, we can, we can never have nice things. Right. Um. So, um, as an American, I agree it was a little anticlimactic, but at the end of the day, I don't really care. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You want gold? You'll I'm like, take. I'm just like, I'm just thinking like all these Canadians who say anything. It's just like, uh, come on, man! Like you would, you would be praising whoever won in the shootout. Like it could have just as easily been Canada who won that. Um, well, yeah, and then and Americans and would be like, oh my god, why are we in the in the shootout? It could have Russia just, could have beaten the US yeah, in the semis too. Exactly. That, that shootout was neck and neck as well. Exactly. Thank God for Troy Terry. Um, so. Uh, but some people who aren't, um, who are even more involved in USA hockey than me, um, I actually, uh, didn't, uh, do care about this stuff. Uh, Mike Modano, who's probably the best American hockey player of all time, I'd say. Um, I was trying to think if that's true, and I'm like, yeah, that's pretty true. Statistically speaking, I think that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess you could say Keith Kachuk, maybe, but I think Mike Mandano, um, is probably the guy. Um, so anyway, so he went on Twitter at the end of the game, um, towards the end of the game. Uh, he had, he put up a couple of, uh, tweets here. Um, one is, hockey is the ultimate team sport to have a championship game and in a shootout is BS, exclamation point, exclamation point. Um, then he got mad at the rest for yelling at too many men. Are you effing kidding me? Too many men. Put the whistles away, zebras. So he was just, he's involved in the game. And then, uh, his last tweet, um, was IIHF, change the damn shootout rule. You've just ruined an amazing game. Um, so, uh, it did ruin Mike Modano's experience. Um, but... For other Americans, they don't really care. <laughs> um, yeah. We won. Um, yeah. yeah um, I mean, I'll talk about it a little bit later, but it is, um, I think it is a big win for USA um, in terms of it, even if it's just a shootout. Uh, but, um, yeah, but, like, I, I guess he does have some points to it, um, as we were just talking about, but, yeah, um, Mike Modano might have some set sway in these matters more than I do. Um, now, so since now since uh, the playoff round uh, was introduced, like um, in in the olden days, and the, uh, the, it wasn't always like this at the World Juniors. In the olden days, it was yeah. basically the the team to finish the um, 
with the best stats after round robin play, they'd win the gold medal. Um, but ever since they introduced the playoff round format, I think in the mid nineties, they did that. Um, this is only the second time that the gold medal game is needed a shootout. So at the same time, it, it doesn't happen very often that a shootout decides a gold medal game. This was just one of the times that it did. Right. And it was U S versus Canada. So, um, I think the circumstances kind of shed a lot more light on this subject than I'm sure the double IHF was expecting, but um, yeah, it's just probably something that doesn't sit well with, you know, the losers there. Yeah, we lost the gold medal game in a shootout. Yeah, I, I can, like, I get it. It's like, it's not ideal, but it's like, it's a way, it's a way you win. It's like, how yeah. else are you going to do it? I'm trying to think of like an equivalent in other sports, but I'm blanking right now. But, um, yeah, um... It's like a walk-off, I guess, and like a... I don't know if that's the same for baseball. Oh, it's like... I don't um, think you can really make a justifiable comparison, honestly. Yeah, I guess you can't. I can't either, frankly. Well, no, no. Oh, in uh, soccer, it's like those penalty kicks at the Oh, end. yeah. Right, yeah. That's it. Uh, that's yeah, right. deci- deciding uh, the winner of the FIFA Men's World Cup on penalty kicks. Yeah. yeah. I guess that would be a little weird, too. Whatever. Yeah. Um, let's get into actual NHL hockey here um, in our Are They For Real section. Um, so this, if we were doing this on Saturday, on Sunday, uh, fun fact, we're doing this on Monday, um, but um, even though you'll hear this on Tuesday, but um, if we did this on Sunday, the Canucks had a six-game winning streak I believe. I don't think it would have mattered because they lost it on Saturday. Right. So. Oh, yeah, good point. Wait. <laughs> oh, yeah, I just, I messed it up. Well, anyway, so they had a six-game winning streak, um, and then they lost it on Saturday. That's right. I, I, I'm, an, I'm an idiot. But, um, yeah, but anyways, they still, uh, they still had a six-game uh, winning streak, and I'm just looking at this, who they beat in that six-game winning streak. So they started off beating L.A., then Anaheim, then Edmonton, um, and then Colorado, Arizona, and Calgary. Um, So besides Colorado and Arizona, those are all, like, legit teams to beat. Um, Which is kind of, I felt like that was even more shocking than Columbus going on that streak, just because no one, I mean, literally no one, expected Vancouver um, to... um, even be that, like, go on a streak like that. Um, no one expected them to go 4 0 0 to yeah, start the year, too. Exactly. Um, so, uh, they were at one point fourth in the Pacific Division. Um, now they're um, s- sixth in the division um, with 43 points. Um, they have a minus 16 goal differential. Um, and uh, let's see what their goals per game, um, where they are there. Oh, it's not too bad. They're 23rd in goals per game um, twenty uh, with 2.4 goals per game. And for goals against per game, they're 2.9, which puts them 20th in the league. Um, so, uh, so, Steve, are they for real? Well, um hate to tell you this, Vancouver, but I think the House of Pain is going to be welcoming you back pretty soon mm-hmm. because uh, those two win streaks have account- 
accounted for half of their wins. Yeah. <laughs> they are 10, 18, and 3 in between those two winning streaks. The first one being 4, the second one being 6. Yeah. Um, after 41 games, this team is 20, 19, and 3. Uh, yet somehow heading into Saturday, just two points behind a team like St. Louis and four points behind the Edmonton Oilers. Of course, that's changed a little bit. Um, but still, half of their wins have come during those two winning streaks. And until that win against Calgary on Friday, this team had failed to score more than three goals in seven straight. And in that sixth straight win against Calgary, by the way, this team was outshot 46-13, to 13, somehow able to score four goals. And the shot attempts were lopsided 84 to 22 favoring Calgary. And from October 21st to December 24th, nobody other than the Colorado Avalanche had fewer points than the Canucks. Only one team had given up over 100 goals during that stretch, Vancouver. They had given up the fourth most shots against during that stretch. And while they were a disciplined team, they had a crappy power play that was clicking at just over 14%, and their penalty kill... Although they didn't take too many penalties, their penalty kill was below 80%. Somehow, I don't know how, but somehow they're good at winning face-offs. Yeah. But in every, other, in every other category, they've just been terrible. And while they have a lot of promising prospects and a lot of young players, they're not a playoff team in my opinion. Yeah. No, because I, yeah. because okay. nobody expects them to, win, to make the playoffs this year. I certainly did at the beginning of the year. I still don't think they're going to be a playoff team and I think they're going to be a bottom five selection uh, when it's all said and done because you saw how karma caught up to them after that four game win streak they lost nine in a row this time around I think they're going to go on another losing streak and I think this one is going to knock them out of contention for good yeah I I agree I think they um they're just not they're weak and they're just a weak team um so and Louis Erickson has underperformed as well. Yeah, Louis. Well, although he's gotten better than he was before, like he has, well, he's yeah, actually during scoring. That, during that winning streak and that losing yeah. streak, he hadn't scored. Period. He's actually got some goals on. Now he has some goals. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, but um, still not the same guy on the yeah, Bruins last yeah. year. Um, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the Sedins aren't terrible, but they're not what they used to be. Um, they kind of need to be in a rebuilding mode. Um, so, but, uh, although I guess you do have guys like Sven Bershi, who's been pretty yeah. good lately, and Bo Horvat, who's also been Brandon pretty good. Brandon Sutter's also been good for Brandon them, too. Sutter as well. Yeah, I just, like, you know, I guess this is my new thing now, is, like, I'm looking at this, like, goal differential thing of, like, minus 16 goal differential, and I'm like, I feel like that's just not a great thing, like, to have, um, which means... You know they lose when it, when they lose they lose more, and then when they win, they don't really win by much basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like, uh, yeah, I, I'm and I, I guess who knows what the deal is with Ryan Miller now and Jacob Mark Jacob Markstrom. Um, so yeah, I don't think they're I don't think they're for real uh, for the reasons you said too. But I was just mentioning other things. As well, uh, just taking a look at their schedule right now, they uh, are taking on Nashville on Tuesday. They're in Philly on uh, Thursday. Wednesday. They host New Jersey um, on the fifteenth, and then Sunday. they host Nashville on the seventeenth. On the next Tuesday, yeah. Yeah. Um. 
So, I mean, I mean, actually, that's not too bad. Nashville's struggling. Philadelphia's struggling. New Jersey's not a great team. So, they, they could, I mean, they could go back to that. Uh, we'll see. Um, all right, our other team, Toronto. Um, so, they, they had a five-game winning streak. Um, uh, and they, uh, which put them at one point tied with, uh, our two teams, the Bruins and the Sens with 44 points. They, I think they have, they're on a bye this week. Um, at the the time, uh, at the time, uh, even though they lost to Montreal on Saturday, I believe at the time we're recording this podcast, they are in a playoff spot. They're still in the top three in the Atlantic. No, they're, they're top. They're in the fourth spot. Oh, are they? Yeah. Okay. Let's see. Yeah, I thought got, they were sure. I know. I know. Heading into Saturday, they were in third. So. Yeah. But they, uh, they're just short of a penalty spot because you got a uh, point, yeah, and I and Boston got a point as well. Okay. Um. They're they're within striking distance, and they'll yeah, also they're by close. the end of their bye week, they're going to have a lot of games in hand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. So Boston has forty-three point games right now. This is we're, this is on Monday. So yeah. I don't know when you're listening to this, but uh, this is Monday. So uh, Boston has forty-three uh, games. Ottawa and Toronto both have played thirty-nine games. Um, and Ottawa has a two-point lead on them at the moment, um, but this puts Toronto just outside the playoffs um, right now because I think. Both wild cards are to the Metro. Yeah, both are going to be Metro. I think it'll stay that way. Um, However, I think if Toronto... I actually do think that Toronto is for real. Um, They scare me. (laughs) Um, I'll be honest. Uh, They scare me. For the first time in my life, they scare me. Um, Austin Matthews went on like a absurd uh, run for a bit with... Uh, he had like a he had like an eight game point streak and like most of those games he scored two of those points or something. Some we went on like a multi point streak basically within that yeah. point streak. Um, and then and yeah, he, and he's continued to break records. I mean that yeah. eight game point streak that put him just one game shy of the rookie record shared by Gus Bodnar nineteen forty three, Bob Nevin nineteen sixty, and yeah. Dan Dau nineteen eighty three. Yeah, I think like I think we're all surprised at like like we knew that Toronto was probably gonna hype this guy up, but he might yeah. he might actually be good. You know, he might be worth that hype. Um so um so yeah, he's uh and he's an American, which is the best part. But <laughs> Um, so I'm happy for Toronto that they finally have hope. And I think they actually are for real. I think they're, uh, especially with Mike Babcock, um, Frederick Anderson has been playing a lot better than he, uh, was early in the season. Yeah. Um, although he's looked a bit human in, in yeah. the last two starts, um, but they were against Washington and Montreal. Yeah, exactly. Uh, their goal differential is four plus four, which I just mentioned is pretty good. Um, and, uh, let's and then, uh, yeah, so, and then we just, uh, oh, and then I have to talk about, uh, they're uh, six overall in goals per game with 3.1 goals per game and uh, 2.8 goals against, which puts them 19th overall, um, which isn't great, but isn't terrible either. 
Um, but yeah, yeah not nearly I, as bad as the past couple of years. I think, like, I feel like uh, for Atlantic, I feel like Tampa Bay and and like just hasn't gotten going, so they'll probably take a playoff spot. And I think Toronto will. And unfortunately, our two teams are going to be bounced out. Um, I that's my prediction. But let's see. Uh, do you think Toronto is for real? Um, I think they have a better chance of making the playoffs right now than I gave them credit for at the start of the yep. year. I mean, they had points in seven straight prior to that five-three loss to Montreal, um, and. Um, Heading into Saturday's matchup with Montreal, they were the second highest goal scoring team in the Atlantic, and only Montreal had scored more goals than them. They had more goals scored than Tampa Bay did. Right. Um, but they still again, do. it's again it's the Maple Leafs. I mean, this yeah. is a team that scored four goals in the first period of a road game uh, against New Jersey. By the way, for the first time <laughs> since October sixteenth, nineteen ninety eight, third period comes around, they don't get a shot on goal, and they get outscored two to nothing, and they only got fourteen shots in the game. Right. Um, OT thriller against the Red Wings, up four to one. Somehow that lead went bye bye, and Detroit tied it and forced overtime. Well, then they, but um, then but, they won. <laughs> yeah, but then they won, and and yeah. they're good at getting on the board first, which is something they didn't do well last year. They had fifteen wins this year when scoring first. They prevailed fifteen times in games where they scored first all of last year, and this year they've scored first twenty four times. All of last year, they scored 29 times. Um, they were the first to get on the board 29 times yeah. last year. So they're already making significant strides there. Um, and in that game against the Capitals, which they lost 6-5, to five, they chased Braden Holtby. Braden Holtby was pulled in that yeah. game three goals against on eight shots. So they're getting to... They're getting to some of the best goalies in the league. They're making them look human. Yeah. And Mitch Marner, I, I don't know how many of you are watching that Habs-Leafs game. I was watching Mitch Marner make some unbelievable plays yeah. to set up some goals there. Like, Austin Matthews, you know, is is the face of the franchise. There's no question about it. But Mitch Marner and William Nylander, to, uh, to be fair, they, they've been pulling their weight this year. And I really liked what I saw from Marner in that game against Montreal. Um, and as a team... They scored at least four goals in five of their last eight games. Um, and uh, just, again, looking at what Matthews has done, um, he's he's scored in 13 of his last 20 games. And he's just one of a handful of NHLers with 20-plus goals on the season this year. Um, and you look at Frederick Anderson. Again, the play of Frederick Anderson has been stellar. He's got 17 wins. And he's had to face the second most shots of any goalie this season. Only Cam Talbot has had to face more at this point in the season. Um, and um, like you said, they're they're a pretty good offensive team. They're at or near the top five when it comes to scoring goals at even strength. And they have a top ten power play. They have a top ten penalty kill. They're in a minor, they're in the middle of the pack when it comes to minor penalties taken. Um, and I think they're going to make the playoffs, and I don't think Tampa Bay is going to come back and make the playoffs. I, I think I think Tampa's going to miss out, and Toronto's going to find themselves back in the playoffs. I, I and I think part of the reason why, why this team is real, part of the reason why this team is real is because Tampa's taking a step back, Florida's taking a step back, and Detroit, who's made the playoffs pretty much every year that I've been alive. Yeah. Um, 
they could not they could probably miss it out in the playoffs this year. So the fact that those three teams have taken a step back has allowed Toronto to be in the position that they're in this year. And I'm not saying that's the only reason why they're in the conversation of making the playoffs. But I think it's part of the reason why. I, and, um, sorry, sorry. I, like you look at Vasilevsky's numbers in Tampa Bay. I think over his, I think his over his last five games, I think he has a GAA yeah. of four. Or over his last four games, he has a GAA over five. Either way, his GAA is terrible. I I was just yeah he he hasn't been good. I was, I'm just more thinking like once they get Bishop back, once they get Stamkos back, like they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. Um, and I, mean, I think it's just they can win. Not, it's going to be too late. I think it's going to be too late. I think okay. the Leafs have found their stride. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think, I do think Tampa's. Uh, I think Tampa's going to like. They're just they're too talented of a team for Tampa to actually count out yet. I mean, I know they're struggling now. They don't have Stamkos. They don't have Bishop. Um, but. At the same time, it's like, this is Tampa Bay we're talking about. And anything can happen, really, in the Atlantic Division. Pretty much the yeah. only team that has solidified a spot is Montreal. Um, yeah. So, um, and it's like a pretty tight race between all the like the teams you just mentioned with Boston, Ottawa, Toronto, Florida, and Tampa Bay. Um, so, yeah, it could pretty much be any of those teams to make it, and I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't count out Tampa Bay just yet, um, but I think Toronto is for real in that sense, um, that they are in a good position right now, they're the healthiest team, um, and they, um, they're also, um, you know, they have the luck of having Mike Babcock, who's yeah. helping all these, who's coaching all these young guys too, and they're, you know, I think that makes a huge difference. There's like a thing to be said for like having rookies being your main team is that like yeah you are an experience, but at the same time it's like you're you're good. You know you're you don't really know any better, um, and I think that that they can take that for the advantage of that. Um, in that sense, whereas like a lot of these teams are pretty old. Um, so, and I, I think the fact that success is coming their way so quickly, like yeah. you saw how quickly success came exactly. for Colorado a couple of years ago, and yeah. then how quickly that success faded. I think this is sustainable success simply mm. because they have a guy like Mike Babcock coaching this team. Yeah, that's a good and, point. and I think, I, I, and I said it time and time again on this on this podcast, this team in two or three years is going to be very very scary, yeah. and everyone in the in the Eastern Conference better be ready for. A team like Toronto the team the playoffs every year. Once these two, next two or three years are out of the way, yeah. I just didn't expect them to make this many significant strides um, this early in the season. Yeah, no, I, I I agree with that. But it's I I think they could probably make the playoffs. Um, we'll see. It wouldn't surprise me if they missed out because I didn't expect them to. Right, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made it based on the way they've been playing. Yeah, I feel like they're like what Buffalo should be if they were healthy, but yeah, this is yeah. Toronto right now. Um, yeah. All right, let's go to the rapid fire. Um, not a lot other things happened this week in the NHL, but whatever. Um, so uh, the all-star captains were announced this week. Um, so I guess they're doing another three-on-three um, type event. 
um, with the inner divisions, speaking of divisions. Um, so they, I, I guess they're trying to avoid a John Scott stuff, and there wasn't really that much hype for it, really, um, from what I remember. I don't think... Do you have you seen, by the way have you seen any like vote like vote for your uh, all star team kind of thing I don't think I've seen any of that but yeah, um, I haven't seen a, as much hype around it and, yeah. and I can't remember what the, what the final vote tallies were I didn't get to yeah see I don't think they even announced the final the vote tallies but they yeah. have the all star captains I assume the uh, rest of the roster is going to be this week or next week probably this week. Um, because it's the All-Star Games this month, so, um, but anyway, so they announced the, uh, All-Star Captains for the Atlantic, it's Carey Price, for the, uh, Metropolitan, it's, uh, Sidney Crosby, for the, um, Central, it's P.K. Subban, and for the Pacific, it's Connor McDavid, um, so, I guess these aren't two surprising choices, these are all, like, the most really popular players, probably the most popular superstars um, in the league. Um, but the big question is, uh, will Crosby show? Um, he has a history of not showing to these All-Star games. Sometimes it's for good reason, because he, you know, he has concussions, or he just wasn't voted in. Other times he fakes an injury, or conveniently is injured bef- just before the All-Star game. Um, he can't go, so I don't know. Will he? He might show. Um, it is in L.A. I know that they're doing. The NHL's doing something for their hundredth year, so Crosby may be involved with that as well. So, um, and there's also a chance he may not care now that he has another cup. Um, and then I guess the other question is, who will replace Subban um, if uh, Subban is in, uh, actually injured by the time which. All signs show that he will be, um, but he'll probably have to be replaced. Now, now uh, the the whole captaincy thing at positions, I guess, don't matter. What do you mean? Like uh, it doesn't have to be another defenseman that takes his spot. It can be a forward. yeah. It, it could be, be a forward. forward. It could be okay. it. Just, I mean, this this would just be someone in the central division. Okay. Um. Honestly, regarding Crosby, I mean, like. It wouldn't surprise me if he skipped out, but here's why I I don't think that he's gonna he's gonna miss the All Star game this year. Uh, 26 goals after his first 32 games, 20 points shy of a thousand for his NHL career. Yeah. He's gonna need roughly 60 games to reach 800 for his career. So the fact he's closer to a thousand points is, you know, Sydney is is something that Sidney Crosby would obviously do, right? Right. Um, but the fact that he's got two Stanley Cups, he's got a World Cup of Hockey um, championship, he's got two Olympic gold medals, I think he's reaching the point in his career where, where maybe it's wise to cherish the opportunities that he has um, mm. and, and, and really savor these kind of moments because you don't know how many All-Star games you're going to get to play in from here on out. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. And I'm not saying he's going to play in every single All-Star game from here on out. But I think he's wise to play in at least a couple, and I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna decide to go this year, you know, barring injuries. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah, I think he's gonna show um, because yeah. of the, those reasons, and also it's just like he, he's already made, like he's already known for this, and now he's just, you know, he, he's gonna give hope to people. 
like, hey, you voted him captain. I, I should probably go. People want me there. I think uh, team captain for the central, if it's not P.K. Subban, I think it's going to be Patrick Kane. Yeah, I think that it will probably go to the next vote-getter, um, and I think that's going to be Patrick Kane, although it could be, like, Tarasenko. Or yeah, I would like Taze. to see Tarasenko. That'd be good. Panarin, um, maybe. I don't know. It could be Taze, I guess, as well. But, um, yeah, it's probably it'll probably be either Tarasenko or Patrick Kane. Um, yeah. I was going to say Shea Weber, and then I was, realized, oh, wait a second. Yeah. He's, <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, um, that's a little awkward. Um, let's go to the, uh, so last week we were talking about the Blue Jackets streak. Um, they made it to, was it 18 games? Yeah, it was 18. 16 games, oh, no, 16 and then games. Washington ruined everything. Right, Washington, um, this was on Thursday. This was the game, the day of the World Junior Championship game. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Washington won five, uh, they were playing the Capitals, they won 5 nothing. um, yeah, I believe you were you mentioned in the lead-in that uh, Andre Burkowski was like talking smack, saying like he's yeah, he, he like said this is gonna be like a streak, yeah. basically, um, and they did. So uh, he talked the talk, and he uh, he did it. They did it, but um, and I called it too. I said Washington was the most likely to end yeah, this streak. Exactly. Yeah, we were. It was going to start with their special teams. They went to perfect 5-for-5 five five in the night. Yeah. They also chased Bobrovsky from the nap. Five goals, 23 shots. Yeah, uh, and, and then after that, Columbus slowly started to look a little bit human right. um, against the Rangers. 4-2 lead, collapse, and they lose in the final minute. Yeah. But they were able to get a win over Philly at least to be uh, fair, the day after. So. To be fair to that, uh, they didn't have Bobrovsky in, the, in net for that Rangers game, but... Um, it's still like, you know, you were up 4-2, yeah. um, and then you give up uh, three goals for that. Speaking of which, uh, Curtis McElhinney, the goalie who played that Rangers game, uh, he's he's just got placed on waivers. Ooh. So, um, this is breaking news right now, so yeah. Um, that's an that's a bold move right there. That's a very bold move. I'm I'm not uh, maybe maybe they because th- when Bobrovsky was hurt, they had this guy named Jonas Corposalo. Yeah, they say who was really playing good. So maybe they think he's going to be ready. No, to back they up have uh, they recalled Anton Forsberg. Okay, never uh, mind that. <laughs> um, and he's also, I'm just looking at uh, here. They also, I guess this is another news, but. The Oilers have assigned Jesse Pulhu RV to the Condors. And really? Yeah. So now huh. he's down. But yeah, that's not that's not that's not the point here. But yeah, uh, the Blue Jackets streak they ended, um, and I guess the Rangers uh, forced another goaltender out of retirement, uh, into <laughs> retirement. They have a yeah. habit of doing that. Um, yeah, yeah, Biron on uh, Hurdle, Biron. probably the most infamous. But exactly. he, here, here, here's an interesting thing, okay? Guess how many games the Blue Jackets, including those two against Washington and the Rangers uh, and, and the Flyers, uh, uh, those three, I should say, guess how many times they played Metro Division opponents this um, year so far? I, oh, yeah, I, I heard about this stat, but I think it was like three times, right? They played Metro opponents eight times oh, eight this times. year, including their last three games. 
Um, so they get Carolina three times over the next two weeks. Uh, and then they also get the Rangers and Isles before January comes to a close. They have six Metro division matchups in February. They've got eight in March, and they've got three more to close out the season in April. And in eight of those remaining 17 matchups, or I I think that's probably changed a little bit, but at this time I was writing this stat down, in eight of their next 17 Metro division matchups, they'll have to face either the Rangers, Capitals, or Penguins. Yeah. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how Columbus does against, you know, the best division in hockey that they play in. Mm. Uh, You know, now that they've gone on the streak, you know, they were able to beat a couple of Metro division teams, but they weren't heavily tested during that massive winning streak by the Metro division. Now that they've got some uh, key divisional matchups coming up, it'll be interesting to see how they respond. Yeah, no, I agree. I think they'll, uh, I think they'll still be in a playoff spot, but I don't think they'll be, I don't think they'll win the division. Well, it, 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 and it'll be interesting to see how far Tortorella can push this team because, yeah. according to Tortorella, uh, you know he was pretty proud after he, he doesn't usually go into the dressing room to talk to his team, but he was pretty proud and he and he had to go in and, and, and give them some credit after after their loss to Washington because yeah. what they went through it was a mammoth streak. But a few days later, when reality started to set in, he said, "We have a long ways to go to define who we are." So. Uh, the hard work is just beginning for the Blue Jackets, and we'll see how good they do the rest of the way. Yep. Um, so let's go to uh, the next topic, injuries. It's pretty much every week we talk about injuries. Uh, yep. Brandon Gallagher hurt his hand. Not too much this week, but Brandon Gallagher hurt his hand. Um, he's out eight weeks. Um, let's Did you hear how? Um, I think you're going to tell me, I assume. <laughs> Shea Weber, that's how. Oh, oh yeah, I think Took I Took a shot that. from Shea Weber, fractured his left hand, and now he's out eight weeks. Yep, that would do it. Um, but yeah, yeah, and also, it should also be noted that Shea, that remember, I think we discussed this also earlier last week, uh, Shea Weber took out patches during practice, only right. patches survived that. Maybe um, Shea Weber is like a s- secret agent or something. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't want to be a part of the. He doesn't want to be a team, so he's injuring he's all the players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a little suspicious. If he starts injuring Carey Price, then we'll like. There's something to it. Um, the good news is uh, Galchenyuk and Markov are closer and closer to returning, so they have. That's that. good. Yeah, and they have a steady lead in the in the, in the division, so I think they'll be okay, but. Mm-hmm. You never know with this team, I guess. Uh, Bukes, as long as Price isn't injured, I think they'll be yeah. okay, basically. Yeah. Um, Bukestad uh, is injured again. Um, he hurt his groin. He's out three weeks. Really, it's kind of a shame. It's like the Panthers season doesn't get better, really. Um and so it's just bad news on top of bad news on top of bad news. So yeah, it's um, it's almost like not an injury report unless yeah. we have a Florida Panther going down due to Basically. injury. It's just a fluky way. He takes a face off, he tweaks something, and he leaves yeah. the game. Basically, um, and he's, he's only got two points in twenty one games, so he hasn't necessarily been helping them offensively yeah, yeah. prior. To so it's been a tough year for him. Um, then we have some waiver claims here. Ty Ratti to Carolina. You have some stats for him. Um, yeah. He uh, he was on formerly on the St. Louis Blues, and then he uh, was claimed to Carolina. 
Um, and he is now on the top line. And the first game he played was against the St. Louis Blues. He didn't score or anything, but... Um, I, got, I think he got a, a point, actually. That. Oh, did he get a point? I thought... I think he got an assist. All right, let me look at that while you uh, spout off about... Okay, so um, I, I think based on the amount of depth that the Blues have, that made it Tyratty expendable, unfortunately. And I think this guy has some upside. Um, in 2011-2012, the Portland Winterhawks, a team that has a tendency to go deep in the playoffs in, in, uh, in the Western Hockey League. He recorded 57 goals and 121 points in uh, that, that regular season. The next year, 2012-2013, was arguably his biggest. Um, his point totals went down in the regular season, 48 goals, 110 points. That's still very good. Uh, and then you look at his playoff runs. In four separate playoff runs, he got a combined 48 goals and 91 points. And then that doesn't include his massive Memorial Cup showing in 2013 when, uh, I, he had, he was, when he was one of the top scorers in that tournament. Uh, so I, I think the, the, the fact that he's going on a Hurricanes team that's full of youthful prospects and the fact that he was practicing on, on uh, the Hurricanes' top line, I think you're going to see him uh, get a lot more opportunities than he did in yeah. St. Louis, and I think we're really going to see what this guy is capable of at this level. Uh, he didn't score against St. Louis, but he got an assist uh, the next day, the next day at Chicago. Oh, okay, um, against Chicago too. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I guess it's an assist, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, Reed Boucher, who is formerly on the uh, New Jersey Devils. Uh, was claimed by Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, um, he was. Yeah, he was there. actually. He was drafted by the Devils. Then somehow, some way, he got to Nashville. Then they put him oh, on waivers. He? Oh, and then yeah, the yeah. Devils. And then the Devils claimed him. Then a day later, put him on waivers, and the Canucks claimed him. Oh, okay. Um, and I think this is a this is a this is a low risk high reward gamble for Vancouver. They need goals. And this guy got 62 goals in 68 OHL games in 2012-2013 with the Sarnia Sting. So maybe they're hoping that uh, Reed Boucher can inject some life into that offense. Yeah, um, we'll see. I mean, yeah. who knows. Um, and then lastly, uh, Matt Nieto, who was on the uh, San Jose Sharks. Kind of surprising, I guess, that they put him on waivers, but... Um, yeah, he's on waivers, and uh, the um, the uh, Colorado Avalanche picked him up. I'm just just looking at Reed Boucher's uh, stats. Um, he's got he got a goal against Minnesota um, in one of his games. But yeah, um, but yeah, Matt Nieto uh, is now on the Colorado Avalanche. I guess this is kind of surprising, but. Um, it could, it could work out for them. I know he's like, he's a very fast skater. Um, I don't know if he's like, um, if he'll do anything for the avalanche, but I guess it's worth a shot. Um, well, you look at all the talks surrounding, you know, the forwards that could be on the move. They could be real shoppers at the deadline. Maybe he's just one of those guys that can just plug in when, after they made a big trade and just something immediate for them that they can use, you know? Yeah. But they haven't done really anything significant, so it's unclear as to what kind of role, well, if any, that he'll have on To be Avalanche. fair, he's, um, he's only on the, uh, he's only, he's only played one game for them so far. Yeah, exactly. But, 
Um, we'll see. Um, I just found that uh, Andre Nestrasel is on waivers as well from the Carolina Hurricanes. So, um, speak. I don't know. These are up-to-date minutes here. Um, uh, all right, let's get to the World Junior uh, Championship game. Uh so when we last left off, it was the semifinals. Uh, USA, they beat Russia in a shootout with uh, Troy Terry being the guy um, um, to, like, being, like, pulling a TJ Oshie. Um, it, was, it was an impressive game. I love the fact how the one of the Washington, the Washington guys, one of the Russians, uh, like, thought they won. Um, and he came on the ice, um, and then the rest had to be like, nope, you can't do it. Um, so that was a good, uh, it was full of theatrics in that Russia game. Um, but yeah, so they went into the championship, and then Canada beat the Czech Republic, um, pretty handily, I would say. Um, although it was close at the end there. Um, and then, um, towards the end there. Um, and then USA, Canada, as we just talked about in our poll of the week, um, USA, it was a really good game, but it ended in a shootout again, um, with, uh, the, uh, uh, Troy Terry doing it again in a multiple, in the same, like two, in two nights, Troy Terry won, um, against Russia and Canada. Um, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, yeah, and also, shout-outs, is considering this is a, I'm a Bruins fan, you're a Sens fan, yeah. uh, Thomas Shabbat, who's a Ottawa Sens prospect, he got, like, the MVP of the tournament, I think. Yeah. Um, and, uh, which is well-deserved. Charlie McAvoy got the MVP of the game, also well-deserved. Um, also, Colin White, who's on Team USA, who's an Ottawa Senators um, person, uh, a prospect, and uh, Jeremy Lazon, who's a Bruins prospect, who's on Team Canada. So, shout out to those guys. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure both of us are really looking forward to McAvoy and Shabbat and the major um, when they come up in the pro leagues, but. Um, for now, uh, they it was just like a good um, spotlight for them. So um, yeah. go for them. Yeah, well, I don't know if you have anything for, else to say for that. But, yeah, yeah, just 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 to clarify a little bit, uh, Team Canada faced the Czechs in the quarterfinals. They actually faced Sweden mm. in the semis. But it, it's before, oh, right. what happened before yeah, that bad. game that really got a lot of people's attention. Their uh, Canada's head coach Dominic Ducharme um, said, "You know, Sweden's really good in." In the playoff, uh, in in uh, in the group stage, but come the playoff time, if you make it hard on them, they aren't so tough, and we need yep. to make it tough on them. So I'm just thinking, oh no, we gave them bullet board material. Right. This is going to end well, and and you know what? He he pushed all the right buttons in that game. When Sweden scored to make it two one, eight minutes into the game, Connor Ingram he pulled his goalie, got Carter Hart in the net. Connor Carter Hart did his job. Uh, good one called upon, and then Canada got the 3-2 lead, and they were able to finish off the Swedes in the third, which I liked. So he was able to back up um, 
he was able to back up his comments there, and he, he, he was confident in his guys. He was confident in his coaching abilities. So um, Canada did, for the first time all tournament, they really made a statement um, in that Sweden game. And yeah. uh, um, it, it's a shame for Sweden because, you know, they they weren't icing anybody. That team, like, Canada could have used Mitch Marr. They could have used Travis Konechny. They could have used Connor McDavid. They couldn't. U.S. could have used Austin Matthews and Matt Kachuk. They couldn't. Sweden wasn't icing anybody. That was the best team they could assemble. Yep. And they finished fourth. And they lost the bronze medal to Russia in overtime. Yep. So it, I just really feel bad for the Swedes in that regard. But um, Well, they also have the Rasmus Dahlin, who's going to be the, uh, you know, uh, the first overall pick in two years. So, I mean, I think they, they have, definitely have a bright future ahead of them yeah and and, and they, uh, it's just that they looked really superhuman in the first four games they dominated yeah. Slovakia True. the only team to get more than 30 shots against them in the in uh the court including the quarterfinal match was the checks in the round robin yeah Canada got 42 shots on them in that uh, 5-2 victory yeah so they th- this uh, Swedish team they they really looked human now uh, once they got into uh the medal round, and I give major kudos to Canada because they really played them well. Yep. Um, going back to the USA-Russia game for a second, U.S. was 0-7 all-time against the Russians in the World Juniors uh, in the playoff round, but it was just a head-to-head matchup. Previous stats don't matter. Both teams yep. played well. Both teams deserved to win that game, and that shootout deserved to go as long as it did. It deserved to go the full yeah, seven went, Yeah, it went spot. seven rounds, yeah. And, and like Troy Terry, like, he went three for three in that game. All every single time he went five hole. Yep. Every single time, not like Taves, who scored three different times, uh, who scored three times three oh, different now ways. You're getting this way. <laughs> he, went, he went five. He went five hole all three times. So, well, that's equally as impressive as Taves, though. Yeah, and then against Canada, it's just like I, you know what I'm gonna do, but I'm gonna beat you anyways, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And it's just, it just, I think it's just so deceiving that. He's able to just like try and open the goalie up and just think, oh, I'm going to go backhand, forehand, really yeah. snipe it on you. No, I'm just going to open you up and then go five hole. All right, and, and he did that to Carter Hart to win the game for, yep. for the U.S. So four for four, all times five hole, and, and two shootout winners in, in back to back nights. That's, that's, that's impressive, impressive. for yeah. Troy Terry. And it's. Um, I, He's I think a Blues he, prospect, right? Or Ducks? Um, no, uh, Ducks prospect, right, actually, Ducks. for yeah. Terry, yeah. But. Like Canada was was right up there. Like I was really proud of Canada's effort. They outshot the Americans thirty one twenty eight in regulation, seventeen to seven in overtime. Parsons was huge in that game and goal for them. Um, but I think ultimately Canada's power play proved to be their downfall once again. I mean, it started off eight for thirteen, went one for nineteen the rest of the way, and the only time they scored was during a five on three New Year's Eve against the Americans. So yeah. throughout the playoff round, they got nothing. So. Um, I think I think if their power play was just a little bit better, I'd like to think Canada would um, would do better in that regard. But you know what? The, the U.S. deserved to win that game. Like yeah. they beat Canada and Russia. Yeah, they in beat a, Canada in, in the group back round, to back, and they beat them in the playoff round. Yeah, like very few teams have been able to do that in the same tournament, and and that's to yeah. go seven and zero in that fashion is 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 really something. Yeah, uh, they went undefeated, and, and, right? And, and you know what? You 
Austin Matthews has every right to chant USA, USA, yeah. USA on his Twitter because he's proud of his country. Everyone should be proud of yeah. what the Americans did out there. Yeah, I I was just about to say from like an American perspective, like this is the World Juniors. It's obviously not the Olympics and it's and whatnot. But like at the same time, when you look at like the whole like when you look at the NHL, you see guys like. Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel, Jack, uh, Johnny Goudreau, Ghost Bear, Wierenski, all those guys, they're all Americans, and it's like like 20 years ago, it would have been like all our best, all the best players would have been Canadian. I mean, that's still sort of true now, like, you know, McDavid, Crosby, um, all those guys are, um, you know, Canadian, but like, it seems like a lot of the young players now are mostly American and that's just great to see um and I wouldn't be surprised I don't think they will but in t- let's say in 2018 there is an Olympics and they allow and each all allows players to go I wouldn't be surprised if the USA wins the Olympics but um this is a good this is like a good championship win for the USA team just in terms of morale like hey we you know we went undefeated in the championship team we beat russia we beat canada um and they're like you know in so in from uh i don't know how much i guess canada knows a lot about american culture um (laughs) but in terms of like sports so they're like baseball football and basketball all the best players are american um and then in hockey it's it's like there are some like it's mostly it's like you know we America has like about like a quarter of the good players here, and the rest are either Canadians or Europeans. Um, so it's like it's just like a good movement that like I feel like eventually USA will be that powerhouse that they are in those four sports, but yeah. I don't know if it's going to be in ten years or twenty years. Um, we'll see. But I, I think it's coming, man. Yeah, and, and, and like, I, I, again, like, Team Canada, they're not used to losing to the Americans twice yep. in, in the same year at the World Juniors. In fact, this is the first time that's ever happened where they've lost to the Americans twice in the same World yep. Juniors. And three of America's four gold, four gold medals in this tournament have come at the expense of Team Canada. Yeah. So they're they're being the best when they do this. Yeah, exactly. Well, that that was my that was my most that was my main point basically was that like like Canada is like basically Canada Canadians in hockey are basically what Americans are in basketball or football <laughs> or baseball. Like they're just they're just so they've been so dominant for so long, um, and now that that kind of gap is closing in soon but i mean but like not that's not to say that canada isn't good they still have you know connor mcdavid they still have uh Carey price and all those guys so um but yeah it should be i it's it's a good win for them obviously it's not the olympics but it's like a good win that like oh our young guys are actually really good too and so it's a it's a good future to look forward to um not so much in the political sense in the political yeah. world, but uh, and, it is good in the hockey world. So yeah, and and you look at one particular state, the state of hockey, Minnesota. They yep. really 
they really must be happy because you look at the prospects that really showed up. Yep. Um, Jordan Greenway, huge presence in front of the net for the Americans. Yep. Luke Coonan, who captained the Americans, I mean, could... also a wild prospect. And and one of Russia's best players was Kirill Kaprizov, 12 points in seven games, second best in the tournament, also a Minnesota prospect. He yep. has nine goals for a tournament high. And then Joel Eriksson uh led the Swedes with six tallies and 10 yeah. points. So He's... Minnesota has got to feel real good right now. They're yeah. Their country won gold, and they've got those tons of prospects waiting in the wings. So. Um, also, I think the, um, like, BU had, like, a lot of guys um, on their roster. Charlie McVoy, Jordan Greenway, as you just mentioned. Um, I think that um, uh, Kiefer Bellows. Um, uh, I'm blanking on a lot of those guys' names. But, yeah, BU did well. Yeah, Matt. Well, oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about Islanders prospects for a second. Okay. No, no, I was just talking about <laughs> players from uh, Boston University. But yeah, the. Um, Jacob, is he on there? Who? Or is he on Boston College? Right? Jake Odinger. Or Edinger. The um, goal. Oh, I th- yeah, I think he's is BU. Is he Boston? Yeah, I think he is oh, BU. Okay. Um. I feel like I'm missing some. I feel like I feel bad now that I mentioned that. Uh, Jordan Greenway, Kiefer Bellows, uh, Clayton Keller. Oh yeah, Clayton Keller was the big one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Colin White's B. Keller and but, Strong. They're uh, gonna BC. look good in Coyotes uniforms yeah. soon. That's gonna be good. Um, but yeah, so they. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was a good win. Um, and for that. Um, now we'll uh, go to the Bruins. Sens, Sens had a bye week this week, um, but they did have two games last weekend. But I think we'll also we'll start with the Bruins. Oh, actually, wait, I, I missed, I missed up the uh, this order here. We're going to the aftermath of the World Junior Class uh, Championship. Uh, Matthew Austin Matthews, who's uh, I guess a spotlight in our um, episode this week. Um, he just, uh, tweeted out American flags. Steve alluded to this. Um, people got mad at this because it's like, he's on the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's like, yeah, we know. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, you, you, uh, you were right on that. He's, uh, he has every right to be proud of his country and people who aren't, um, who are mad at him for this tweet, um, are kind of missing the point a bit. It's not like it's not that he hates Toronto or Canada. It's just he's, um, you know, he's proud he's, of his country. He's proud he of his nationality. Just, he didn't get exactly. to win gold at that tournament. He was proud of his country. Yeah. And, and like, how's it? How's it? How's it bad when Canada does it? All those times they won yeah. gold medals. Like all yeah, Canadian exactly. fans, you would see it all the time. You know, these yeah. Canadian flags. Well, I know. I was just thinking that it's like. Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand are both Canadian, but I still yeah. root for the Bruins. Um, it's weird. for the Blackhawks. Yep. And, like, on the reverse end, like, Max Pacioretty, um, like, plays for the Canadians, but he's an American as well, so... And he's their captain, and too. And he's their captain, too. Um, and he, speaking of him, he, he said that I didn't hear so many people complaining about the World Junior shootout when Price and Taze won. So yeah. he was kind of calling them, he's calling out all those people um, who didn't like the shootout. But 
Yeah, it's um, if you have a problem with the shootout, talk to the double IHF. Don't right. don't blame the guy who's being patriotic. <laughs> exactly. Um, also, yeah, it's, yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I I feel like it's just you know I, I get that people are upset. Um, they should be. It was a good game. Either team could have won. Um, but you know I don't know. It seemed kind of. It's a little sore loser kind of thing mentality, but yeah, don't blame those guys. Blame, yeah. I don't know. Blame the shootout, the uh, <laughs> IIHF. Don't let the players hate the game. Exactly. Uh, now we'll go to the Bruins Sens. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I guess uh, I ju- I did lead in already, but um, you'll I guess you go first because you have okay. less to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, first off, uh, shout out to Thomas Shabbat again and Colin mm. White. Like, I really love what they saw in that tournament. Um, Colin White, like, he got seven goals in seven games. Only got eight points in seven games, but seven of them were goals. Yep. Uh, it just seemed that every time he scored, it was a big goal, and and that's what gets me excited about him. And then Thomas the Tank Engine Shabbat. I mean. Let all defensemen with 10 points in seven games, sixth in tournament scoring, and he gets tournament MVP. That's tough to do in the World Juniors. So he was he was exceptionally good and really deserved that award. Uh, now, on to their bye week. <laughs> I don't know how much the coaches love this bye week because right after that, they host Washington, um, the team that uh, beat them before the bye week, and then the night after, even though both are home games, they get to host Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. And the only time you can practice is on a Friday night because that mandatory bye week, it's four to five days of doing nothing. Right. Like it's total isolation from the hockey rink. Um, so that was a pretty tough test for them. Um, in the first two minutes of that game against Washington, the rush showed a little bit. Uh, they gave it the first goal, although it was a beauty by TJ Oshie. It was a mm. perfect snipe. Um, they were able to keep it close in the end, you know, you're going up against Brayton Holby. He doesn't squander too many one-goal leads, so Ottawa lost that game 1-0. Um, in the game against Edmonton, they had a 2-0 lead, but Edmonton, you know, being the team that they are this year, they responded. They got three goals to take a 3-2 lead. Sens were able to respond, get the lead for good this time, but in the third, they were really hanging on for dear life. The shots were 17-3 in favor of the Oilers or the final 20 minutes, and if not for Mike Condon, they probably get zero points in that game. Um, so, um, the fact that Edmonton also started Gustafson, who hasn't really played a whole lot, and when he has, he hasn't been good, uh, I think that kind of helped Ottawa's cause in that. The fact that Edmonton was also on the second half of a back-to-back, I think that helped as well. But, you're going to take the wins any way you can get them, and Ottawa needed that win based on the, uh, the mammoth schedule they have in January, and this is just a sample size what they got next week. The good news is, they get a couple of days off to prepare for their next game. The bad news is they're going to need every single day to prep for Crosby and the Penguins because they're coming in Thursday. And then they get Austin Matthews and the Maple Leafs coming into the Canadian Tire Center on uh, Saturday night. So, um, again, the matchups don't get easier for Ottawa. They're still in a playoff spot. And um, they got some big games. So, uh, hopefully the Sens can get a big week here, get a couple of uh, wins on the board, and uh, start rolling. Because after that, they go on the road, they take on St. Louis, they take on Columbus. Neither are going to be pushovers. So um, 
Ottawa needs to be ready. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the Bru- the Senators are in the same situation as the Bruins are. They kind of they need to giddy up. They both need to giddy up and uh, keep that playoff spot that they have. Um, so we're gonna start this Bruins segment uh, on a serious note. Uh, one of the Bruins legends, Milt Schmidt, who is the oldest. He was the he was the oldest living NHL player, which I found out. But he uh, passed away uh, January first. Um, he uh, he was uh, ninety eight when he died. Um, he uh, he was like he's considered uh, like he's he's also known or nicknamed Mister Bruin. Uh, basically, uh, because he's, you know, he was, he was first a player for them. He didn't win a cup when he was a player, but then he became a general manager. He scouted Bobby Orr, got Bobby Orr on the team. <laughs> he won two, uh, two, um, cups when he was the general manager on there. Then he was a coach for a bit. He got them to a Stanley Cup final, um, um, then, and then after he, uh, left as a coach, he remained with the clubhouse. He, uh, he's like, now he's known, uh, he was known just, uh, like, I just remember watching Behind the Bee, which is a documentary series that Nesson puts out. Um, and like, they always show like him talking to all the current players and like, it's, it was always such a cool moment, like where like. You could see, like, Mil Schmidt just being, like, with, uh, like, just having, like, a conversation with, like, all these guys, like Chara, um, Bergeron, Marchand. It was, it was a cool moment to see, and it's, like, it's definitely, like, um, they lost, uh, the Bruins lost a great one there, um, in that sense. And he was, he was basically the epitome of what it means to be a Boston Bruin. Um, yeah. so he, like, he literally died in black and gold, or not yeah. literally, but he was, like, he's basically an example of what, um, a Bruin means. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was also named league MVP in 1951. Yeah. I don't think too many people yeah, know he was that. Also, like, he, he was also you, a good you player. Look at, you look at just, just for saying, like, I have major respect for guys who constantly give up a lot of their time, even... Yep. When it means little reward for themselves for the sake of a of a sports franchise, I mean, yeah, it seemed like everything he did was out of the goodness of his heart. He probably didn't have to give out advice. I mean, you see so many people that have retired in this league, and you hear them every you hear or see them every now and again. You know, when there's like a significant reunion of sorts, but. Like, it seemed like he was really involved with the Bruins, like, long before his yeah. playing days, his coaching days, his general manager days yeah. were done. And, and, and that, that just really separates your, your – that really separates yourself from being more than just a hockey player. And yeah. uh, he sounds like a class act. Yeah. He uh, – yeah, I'm just looking here. He had – there was one year in 1939, he had 52 points in 48 games. Um, which was um, pretty crazy. Um, and then the year he won the heart, he had 61 points in 62 games. Uh, there aren't really stats back then, back in those days, yeah. but um, other than the points and 
goals and assists. But yeah, so that's uh, it's a set. They lost one uh, for them. But on that note, Edmund they played Edmonton uh, the next day. Um, unfortunately, we lost. Uh, Patrick Maroon had a hat trick that day. Um, I don't That's know. what happens when you play with McDavid on a line. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Th- I mean, but like the last, the last goal he had was like was all his, his own. Um, but yeah, it was like the Bruins kind of had a comeback, and then once uh, Patrick Maroon scored that last goal, there it was kind of like all over. Although they did score to make it four three at the end there, but it just wasn't good enough. Um, so that was unfortunate. Uh, I'm starting to think that just the Bruins just aren't good anymore. Um, but then we uh, beat uh, Florida, the Florida Panthers for nothing. Um, I think that's like Rast is like fifth shutout this year. Um, he's been really good lately. Um, and, um, but yeah, so, uh, uh, David Backus returned in that game. He got a goal there. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was, it was, uh, it was a, t- a good win there. Uh, I think that put us tied between Toronto, with Toronto and Ottawa. And then on Carolina, of course, because it's a bad team. Oh, oh, right. I forgot to mention Anton Kudobin was uh, put on waivers, and then he uh, was sent down. And in comes Zane McIntyre, who um, ha- I think he had like a he only like let in like four goals or something like that in the AHL in the month of December. He was like <laughs> nine zero and zero for Providence, so he deserved a call up. Um, um, and they played Carolina yesterday or Sunday on Sunday. And then um, the Hurricanes scored on them four times. Yep, the Hurricanes scored on them four times. Although, like the first two goals weren't t- his fault, especially the first goal, um, where like he was like Sebastian Aho was like on the net, and then uh, uh, Brandon Carlo like pushed into him. Which in yeah. turn put in the puck into the net, so that was an unfortunate goal. Um, Derek Ryan had a didn't really have a great goal there either. So um, yeah, it was just like a lot of the goals. Like it was just the Bruins just played sloppy, really. Yeah. Um, but like it was kind of lucky that we even got into overtime. Um, David Backus scored again. Brad Marchand scored again. Uh, the person who's kind of been slow now is uh, David Pasternak. Um, he hasn't scored a goal in a long time now, um, but I don't. I think since his injury, he hasn't scored a goal. Um, he does have an assist, but um, I'm kind of like waiting for him to score a goal now. But um, we'll see. Um, it might have something to do with his surgery uh, that he had because he hadn't scored since then, but. Um, yeah, so, uh, I think the, let me look at the Bruins schedule quickly here, um, Pasternak hasn't scored since, uh, December the 14th when he got two points against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, so that's, uh, 
I mean, I'm kind of hoping that he'll be more consistent. Um, but yeah, I did. And like, he's also he's also got two only two points since then as well. And yeah, both were assists. I do. Um, yeah, I think he'll come around. Um, but it's like we kind of need him. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, but I did kind of like. Even though he gave up four goals, I did like what I saw of Zane McIntyre. Hopefully, he uh, does what he did. He does what he because he was good in uh, his college days too. Um, as for the goalie's future, like it's interesting because we have Malcolm Subban also in our uh, farm system. Um, so it's either I feel like after Tuka Rask is done. It's either between Zane McIntyre and Malcolm Subban. Um, I think Subban, I still have hope for Subban to be good. Um, I'll be curious to see how good McIntyre does in the long round. I don't know. I don't think like one game is a good enough, um, to actually judge him now. It's too small of a sample size. So, but, um, we shall see. Uh, they play the Bruins play the Blues on Tuesday, the Predators on Thursday, and then on Saturday we play the Flyers. Those are going to be tough games. Um, I Bacchus returns to St. Louis on Tuesday though, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah exactly just like the Senators. These are games that we have to win right now. It's it's come the time where. Um, like all these games where you lose, it's like, they're unfortunate. We shouldn't, these are games that we should win, but we don't. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things where I feel like we've, the Bruins are marginally better than they were last year. Um, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. Um, especially when we, have, they, uh, the Toronto and Ottawa, who are practically tied with us right now, but they have games in hand, or a lot of games in hand. Um, so I feel like they're going to um, jump over us pretty soon. Um, but at the moment, they aren't. Um, our social media, uh, you can go follow us on our Twitter at LaceEmUp. Um, there, and then on Facebook, it's just um, Podcast. Wait, no, I mixed that up. Twitter is Lace Up Podcast. Our uh, Facebook is Lace Em Up. Um, yep. And then you can follow us on SoundCloud at Lace Em Up. And, or subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in a historic episode 60 of the Lace Em Up Podcast. Yep.